Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program. The phones are open. If you want to join us, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. And Nikki. We're going to kick things off with a story that I think all three of us had to talk about here tonight. And that is crack regarding pipes. crack pipes. <laughs> of yes, course. Crack pipes, indeed. Uh, apparently, they are going to be giving crack pipes away to... I'm not sure who. I've not read the story, but Nikki, you've got it. You've got the headline yep. here. What do you want to share? Biden administration to fund programs that hand out crack pipes to prevent infection and promote racial equity. Do people get infections a lot from smoking out of like used crack pipes or something? Because I mean, I can understand heroin needles, maybe. I don't think so. Like, I think they get sores and infections, but I think that's just from like picking and scratching and like mm. typical crackhead things. Yeah, but you exactly, know? it's not it's not the pipe doing it. So. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think the pipe is probably the least of their worries, yeah. to be completely honest. But um, so this article goes on to say the thirty million dollar grant. Program will distribute funds to nonprofits and local governments to make drug drug use safer and advance racial equity. I don't know how they're really rationalizing that. I don't that either. That part is almost insulting. It and sounds weird. pretty it racist. Is yeah. Uh, the, I, I think what they're suggesting is is that some race might use crack more often than another, and I don't know if there's any truth to that whatsoever. Yeah, the, I, I don't think so. Three people have done crack. One of which got addicted to see if he could get off of it, and he he admitted that on the show. So mm-hmm. nobody, and they're all white. So yeah, there's definitely yeah. no shortage of white crack addicts out there. So uh, let's go on though with what else they have to say about this. Uh, included in the grant is money to purchase safe smoking kits and supplies. Spokesperson for HHS said included in these kits could be pipes for users to smoke substances like crack cocaine and crystal methamphetamine. Um, HHS said that these meth, sorry, meth is a white drug. Yeah, I and I wouldn't say exclusively, but like probably mm-hmm. majority, almost. I mean, every meth user I've known has been white. Yeah, and it's not even like you're from New Hampshire where you're like only surrounded by white people. By white You've people. lived in racially diverse areas. Yeah, so I wouldn't say that it's anything but a white drug. No, <laughs> I don't I... know if you agree, and you just. Didn't say anything about it. I've never used crack or meth, um, but I'm aware that convenience stores are sort of notorious for having these crack pipes for sale. Yeah, they'll call them different things. Yeah, they're like the rose glass kit or something like that. Right next to the poor boy's bronze uh, scrubbers or copper scrubbers. Now, Bonnie, you work in a convenience store. Um, I I don't think you can call these things crack pipes legally. I don't know if you even sell them uh, there. We've been looking into it. We were going to have a grab-and-go bag that had poor boy copper uh, scrubbers. You know what Mm -hmm. those are? There was a lady that came in. Yeah, a scrubber. Yeah, they used Mm -hmm. that for something. Mm -hmm. There was a lady that came in and she was like, oh, you guys have poor boys? Can I get two packs? It was just like, you're not using that for cleaning clearly. I mean, if you say something like that, like, oh, you guys have those? Like, I don't know. It didn't seem like it. And then she just came in and bought multiple packs. So we're like, we should get a grab bag with rose, uh, 
Rose vases? What are they called? I don't know what they actually are called. I just, they call them like rose something vases. Yeah, glass I know roses? They exist. They, yeah, glass roses or yeah, something. I guess the idea is that the rose comes in the cr- the crack pipe yeah. and you throw the rose away and then oh you gosh, have a, that's you so have hilarious. a crack pipe. I wonder if people have like collections of the roses. Maybe so. But I wonder if that's what these kits are going to look like from the government, if they're going to be like little fake <laughs> glass roses. There what? was a lady that came in one time and she said that she bought a poor boy pack. They're supposed to have two in them. And it only came with one, so she wanted a free pack, so we just gave it to her because she's cracking. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the thing I wanted to point out is I'm I'm pretty sure these po'boy or these glass pipes don't cost a lot of money. No, I mean, they this, can't. It's like $5 or something. Maybe even less than that. So, so this is my theory. Yeah. They're trying to like get people addicted to drugs. I mean, we already know that the DEA is like the bigger, biggest drug dealer in America, if not in the world. Hmm. So they're just trying to, you know, is that the DEA or the CIA? Both, oh. probably. Hmm. Okay, but um, yeah, it's like when your drug dealer like gives you a little sample. That's basically what it's like. They're like, here's a here's a crack pipe uh, on the house. Yeah, I wonder how are they going to be distributing these? Like, what is the the plan? Who to whom will they be giving them on the local area, right? Or is it going to be you can mail in and get a free crack? Is there a request one? So there was a thing. If you go to CVS, I don't know if it's like this in every state, but if you go to CVS and you register as a heroin addict or an illicit drug user that shoots up, hmm. you can get clean needles at CVS. Wow. So they'll actually give you free needles so you don't get hepatitis or AIDS or whatever else. So I'm wondering if it's going to be like that where you can register as a drug user and they'll give you free crack pipes and whatever else. Now, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. I'm not opposed to the idea of harm reduction. I I think that it is a good idea uh, to help people who are in in an addicted state to be safer with their addictions, so maybe they'll have a chance to realize they've got a problem, seek out some help, turn their life around. Because if you know, if you overdose and you die, you're never going to get to that to the point of, yeah. of finding some help and maybe having a productive life at some point. So, I mean, I definitely am in this am in support of harm reduction. I feel like yes, as a libertarian, as a voluntarist, I'm against all of government. I'm against all the state and all of the things that it does generally, like paying for people's crack pipes. But given uh, given the choice of war on drugs or buy somebody a needle, yeah, I am going to go ahead and say, okay, let's buy the needles. However, this story isn't about ending the war on drugs. No, this they're not. Why would saying, Kamala Harris do that? She's right. only put people in jail for drug offenses her whole life. Joe Biden was one of the authors of the the war on drugs. I mean, he's Crime been around bill. forever. The crime bill, I think, is what you're going to say? That's one of the things. Yeah. yeah, but the war on drugs, I think, has been been around for longer than that. But, I mean, this guy is a, an ardent drug warrior, and so is Kamala Harris. And this, whatever the hell it is, I don't know if it's just like an executive uh, decision or if there was a, a, a bill that they passed here. If you said it, I didn't catch what it it's was. It's a grant program, hmm. so I don't know what that would, so, if yeah, that was pro- a bill or if it was part of a bill. Probably just a government 
agency that decided to do this. Yeah. So they're not rolling back the war on drugs here. They're not saying that, oh, crack is no longer a Schedule 2 or whatever it is. I don't know if it's Schedule 1 or 2 or whatever the, the scheduling rank is. But if it's below mushrooms, that's pretty ridiculous. It's a prohibited... Well, I know cocaine is Schedule 2. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, either way, they're still going to arrest these people if they're buying drugs, if they're selling drugs. Well, they'll arrest them for possession so, of drugs. Exactly. So it's... They're acting like they're trying to help people, but really you're still going to throw them in a jail cell. So yeah. what's what's the true incentive here for them to do this? It just doesn't really make sense to me. Well, the federal government won't arrest you for possession of a, you know, a, a small amount but of local, drugs. But like the locals the cops will. will. The locals will. Unless you're in Oregon. But where the, the yeah, federal government could end the war on drugs by descheduling everything. So That's correct. Uh, and of course, we're not going to expect them to deschedule everything because they just don't work that way. But it's very hypocritical for them to act like they're being compassionate on one hand and say, oh, yeah, we're going to we're going to help you reduce harm by giving you a free crack pipe. Uh, but then on the other hand, these people are still at a high risk of being arrested, put in a jail cell, forced into treatment, which does not help if you're being no, forced into treatment. All you're doing is you're actually bringing down the people who are there because they chose to go to like a group session yeah. or whatever. And you're there because some judge threatened you. And that's you're not the, the right kind of person for that for that group. Well, the first step of treatment is admitting is, is wanting it, you know. Right. So if you don't want to get better, you're going to get out of rehab and you're going to score again. That's just what happens. But let's talk more about this uh, free crack pipe offer here. Uh, you can share your thoughts. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Again, uh, convenience store operators have been providing low cost crack pipes to users for many decades you know, now. So. Why is this really necessary? Maybe it is to create a registry of drug users and get people hooked on the federal handouts. Talk live and the phones are open. If you want to join the show, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I do want to say thanks to Bonnie, a different Bonnie. Mm. I mean, thank you, Bonnie, for everything you do. But uh, this is the Bonnie who's the Free Talk Live supporter via the AMPS program at amps.freetalklive.com. And thank you, uh, to Bonnie, I believe it's the same Bonnie that threw the party for Free Talk yeah, Live I think so too. listeners oh, awesome. uh, at uh, Porcupine Freedom Festival. I think it was this year. Yeah. So yeah, so she's a supporter over at Amps Amps That helps us. And by the way, she's a uh, gold level, which means she's doing at least ten bucks, ten bucks a month. So thank you, Bonnie, for supporting Amps. Amps stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support, and it's a way for you to help us. Get Free Talk Live on more great radio stations all around the country. Once again, it's amps.freetalklive.com. So we're talking about crack cocaine. Crack pipes are being distributed, or they will be soon, by the Biden administration. And Nikki, you've got this story that you're sharing with us about uh, where, I mean, I've never heard that crack uh, crack, crack pipes are in like short supply they seem mm-hmm. to be fairly ubiquitous at and most. cheap and not dangerous. Yeah, any I smoke mean, not, shop. Not dangerous to use the same one over and over. They probably break easily, but 
it's not something like needles where people are like, oh, people are dying because they don't have a clean pr- crack well, pipe to use. Yeah, it's not intravenous drug use. Well, which that's, is what, hi- that's their point, I guess. If you give people crack pipes, then they're not going to shoot up. Hmm, that's Most people don't shoot up crack, though. Yeah, they're, I, they're not just yeah I mean, you can, but I don't think people usually do. But but that's seriously what they're I, saying? Yeah, that's seriously what they say. But um, crack pipes have been so cheap. If somebody was doing meth, shooting it up, and then they were like, I could just switch to smoking crack, they would have just done it. But, but also, people don't shoot up because it's, you know, because they don't have a crack pipe, right? They shoot up because you get high faster and it's mm-hmm. stronger that way. Mm-hmm. People are shooting up because they like to not... If they wanted to be smoking it, they'd be smoking it. You know, it's not hard to get a crack pipe, but it says, handing out pipes is also intended to prompt users to smoke rather than inject themselves with some substances like meth mm-hmm. as injection is far riskier. Okay. So it's just... It doesn't make any sense to me. Apparently, there is an emerging practice as of 2004 of injecting crack cocaine. So, oh, yeah. Uh, Somebody on this yeah. uh, channel says people do inject cocaine. Yeah, apparently uh, apparently that's a thing. Yep. So, But it's harder to get a needle, by the way, than it is yeah. to get so, Oh, absolutely. Pipe. I don't know. I was going to say, so why wouldn't they just give out needles and it would be safer than them using dirty needles or whatever? But I guess their point is... Getting people to smoke, but I don't know. Well, there are needle exchange programs that do exist Mm -hmm. in a lot of cities, for instance. They have these things. They have clean injection rooms uh, where people can go and they can get a needle and they can, they have to bring their own drugs, but they, you know, they, as I understand it, right? Like I've never been to one of these places, but I've heard they exist. You bring your drugs, they provide you the needle, they provide you a place where you can inject uh, your drugs and not have to worry about the cops rushing in on you or whatever. It's like a safe spot uh, to do that kind of thing. Those exist. And yeah. as far as I'm concerned, as long as the war on drugs is raging and destroying people's lives, I support these sorts of harm reduction things. I So it's I'm not really against, per se, what they're talking about. But at the same time, it does seem pretty ridiculous and unnecessary because yeah. we are talking about crack pipes, which, again, we're not talking about intravenous drug use, and they are available relatively anywhere you go. Yeah. I mean, I would be impressed if they were just going to make all drugs not illegal, like if they would legalize all drugs. Yeah, they could. That take would the be ent- a step in the right direction. They could take the entire budget from the DEA's enforcement arm or whatever and move that into harm reduction. Yeah. That would be tremendous. Like, how about instead of giving away free crack pipes, we release all of the people in jail for selling marijuana? Well, let's release anyone who's in jail for selling anything, as long as they didn't put a gun to somebody's head uh, or, you know, rob somebody or or do some sort of violent act in the process of being a drug seller. Otherwise, we're just talking about adults doing voluntary things together. That's what the sales of any drug, whether it be crack or marijuana— or you fill in the, the blank. I think this is just uh, like signaling from the Biden administration, which seems to be basically all they've done. Just signal what are that they they're trying to help. Though, well, that, that they're, they're trying to help the war on drugs, but they're a, not actually doing it. Well, yeah, we know yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. So other th- harm reduction supplies that could be purchased with the grant money include testing equipment for sexually transmitted diseases, overdose reversal medication, mm-hmm. medication lockboxes, syringes, and substance test kits. The grant program lasts three years and included 25 awards to up to $400,000. So this is a program that would allow, I presume, state agencies or local agencies to apply to get this kind of money? 
That's what it sounds like. That's to what me. it sounds like. It's not entirely clear mm-hmm. on what on who the awards would be going out to, but mm-hmm. I'm assuming yes. Um, and then again, it says it's still against the law to sell or distribute drug paraphernalia, including such pipes, unless authorized by state, local, or federal law. So you can't do it, but we can they because can. we're the government. But we can sell glass roses. Yeah. Exactly, because technically that's not illegal. <laughs> there were an estimated one uh, hundred. Right, just 000- to clarify, it's only drug paraphernalia once if it's marketed as drug paraphernalia, yeah. or if there's residue on it. Yeah. So if you you know the the classic example is at a head shop, you don't want to buy a bong, you have to buy a water pipe, and but that's the difference. It's yeah. not. It still wouldn't be marketed that way. So is it also illegal if you just know that the person's going to use it a certain way? Because it, I you mean, cannot. Right. If yeah. somebody comes in and says, "I want one of those water pipes so I can smoke marijuana," that's yeah. probably an undercover agent, and you should not sell it to them. Uh, because that's how they do undercover sting operations on so it's like three uh, things. head it's, shops. Can't be marketed that way. Can't be marketed. Can't have residue, and you can't sell it knowing how they're going to use it. That's not, And I'm not a lawyer, but those are definitely my understanding of this that situation. So cities like San Francisco and Seattle have experimented with their own crack pipe kit distribution programs. Others have backed away from such plans... Louisville, Kentucky allowed convenience stores to sell drug kits before later banning them from doing so. Hmm. So, I don't know what the point in that is, letting them do it. It's and so then, stupid. I bet there was people like, my kids saw a drug kit at, yeah. uh, at the mm. store, and I'm Yeah, mad. it's like Kentucky, too, so. Meanwhile, the Justice Department signaled Monday that it may allow safe injection sites to open up across the U.S. Such sites would be safe havens for where drug users could use heroin and other narcotics freely without risking arrest in an environment monitored by health professionals. Now, who said this? Health and Human Services? Justice, uh, the Justice of Department. Or Justice, Justice Department. Department. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So... So I guess basically they're saying that you can use there, there'll be nurses or whatever, mm-hmm. healthcare professionals, and they won't arrest you, hmm. which I think is a great idea to be able to have places where people can use drugs because they're going to anyways. And it's kind of, I mean, I don't think people should be arrested for using drugs, period. I agree. It's their personal choice, unless you're robbing people or hurting them or Correct. robbing people. Like, there's no, there's well, no and the, reason. And the reason why people get robbed in a lot of cases, is because the person needs to get money to buy drugs on the black market because the black market increases the cost of drugs probably by like, you know, tenfold or something like that. Yeah, it's, probably. it's way more expensive on the black market than it would be if we actually had the freedom to create and to market these products. We'll continue here in moments about the free crack pipes. It's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. us here the number 603-283-6160 and 603-283-6160 here in the studio with you it's ian it's bonnie and nikki 
And Bitcoin.com is a great place to go and learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. You can click Get Started at the top of the page. And then you'll be presented with some information like some videos that you can watch. That will give you the basics about cryptocurrency. Very important stuff to learn. Uh, We are now 13 years into this cryptocurrency experiment and i would go ahead and call it a success bitcoin has been the most successful investment in the last decade and you should learn about it if you haven't taken the time to do so there are some new ideas that you should get your mind around and the folks over at bitcoin.com can help you with that just click get started at the top of the page bitcoin.com if you're not brand new to crypto you'll find a lot of uh, useful things on the bitcoin.com site including their news site which is news.bitcoin.com we're talking about crack pipes and other forms of harm reduction you know i it's this is making me feel simultaneously like in two directions right like i'm torn on this on one hand i see this as some level of harm reduction, and I support harm reduction. Of course, I'm against the government mandating things in general, against the government's existence, but we know it's not going to go away tomorrow, so I'd rather see them do harm reduction than do the war on drugs, but they haven't stopped well, the war on drugs. Would you be against it altogether if you found out that they're making, they're giving these away, but the taxpayers paying more money than the crack pipe users would uh, spend if they were just buying crack pipes? Oh, there's no doubt that these crack pipes are going to probably cost five times what a normal crack pipe would cost. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I don't even feel like it's really effective harm reduction. The the free market could do it probably better. Well... So I'm I'm just against it altogether. The state probably... The the government gang probably isn't the provider of the crack pipes. They're just providing grants to local agencies, likely, who are applying for the grants, and then presumably they would get a better yeah, deal on it. through but... taxpayer money. So what is Correct. it, like $20 million, it said? $30 million. That's the total so... amount available? Is that right? Yeah. It's a lot of crack pipes. Well, they're going to be doing other things with it, <laughs> yeah, as, as you mentioned Yeah, they said that they're going to be giving Narcan and stuff. And... Condoms, they should uh, just... syringes, safe sex kits. Isn't it the federal government that makes Narcan... Uh, I don't know if it's like scheduled, but it's to where it can't just be pers- um, over the counter. I believe oh, you're I right. Did- oh, I, I didn't know about that because I know a lot of people who carry Narcan on them. So it is I know legal you can to do that in it. New Hampshire. So New Hampshire had to pass a statute to specifically exempt Narcan yeah. from drug prohibition. So yes, in New Hampshire, and I think may- maybe Massachusetts. Oh, definitely in Massachusetts. Uh, there's yeah. some some states have done this. I okay. don't know in what percentage of the states. But up here, it is a thing where you can just go yeah. into CVS or whatever and you can just get it get it over the counter. Well, and mm-hmm. it makes sense because you can't get high off of it. And it's literally just a life-saving drug for people overdosing right. on opiates. So, so this is just a situation of the government breaking someone's legs and handing them a Narcan, yeah. uh, whatever the Basically, yeah, crutches. Crutches, yeah. yeah basically. Um, is there more that we need to know about this? Just should have never been illegal for people to go buy at CVS. No doubt. Yeah, I think so too. A little bit. It's kind of just going back and forth on how like some some people are for it and some people are against it. Um, mainly like Republican senators are against it. Um, Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas said, is this a cruel joke? Drug overdose deaths are at their highest recorded levels. The Biden administration should focus on stopping traffickers instead of creating more demand for their product. No, 
No, that's not the answer either. And, no. and it's just so sad that, you, you know, when you look at a headline like this, you think, oh, hey, maybe there's going to be some more compassion towards drug users. Oh, nope. you know, maybe maybe we're moving in the right direction towards, you know, a, a more sane drug policy, which would be to say not have one at all. Uh, but of course, you can't expect that from the from the state. So moving towards harm reduction would be more sane. Uh, moving towards even forced treatment would be more sane than putting people in jail. I'm against that. But it's still better than throwing somebody in a cage. Yeah, absolutely. And I was having this conversation with somebody the other day where the government will try to like run in and act like they care about drug users. But then on the other hand, treat them like they're subhuman and that, you Mm -hmm. know, so it just to me, it's not good enough. No, this is this is just another way for the state to spend money without actually reducing the war on drugs. So they're actually yeah. increasing the the total amount that they're spending here. And I think it was uh, Stephen Ellis in our YouTube chat who points that out. He says they could just end the war on drugs, but that would take money away from government. So mm-hmm. they've yeah. got the, the war on drugs going full bore at whatever billions of dollars per year they're spending at the federal level and you know all the state levels on that. I don't An know what that number failure. is. Yeah, it, 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 it continues to be a failure. It will never be a success because you cannot arrest your way out of the drug problem. Yeah, and the drugs are winning the war on drugs. They've, they've by won the way. years ago. I mean, There's... and it's just getting more and more people are using drugs, and more and more people are overdosing, and it, right. it the issue is just getting worse. Well, yeah. So... Guess what? As you start locking people up inside their own homes, and you give them no social life, you take them away from all the things that they were used to. Uh, people who had drug problems before are going to relapse. Yeah. They're going to they're going to go back to using the you know product of their choice. And other people might go ahead and develop a drug problem because they're yeah. depressed and they're upset because they can't go out and hang out with their friends or do the things that they uh, used to go and do. We've definitely seen an increase in drug abuse in the last two years since the COVID lockdowns. And speaking of taking people away from things they're used to, things like crack, cocaine, and meth. Um, and even just like like cocaine became popularly used just because actually good drugs were made illegal, like psychedelics. Yeah, that's another important point is that the war on drugs has actually driven harder drug use, the creation of harder drugs. Crack itself was created because of the war on drugs. There's a good chance, because remember, it's just a freebase form of cocaine. Yeah. So for listeners it's, that don't yeah, it's know. it's just cheaper. What that? Well, is it cheaper? It is cheaper, yes. Okay, so I've never bought either. It's made with uh, baking soda or like, or maybe baking powder. Yeah, so it's like half and half. Yeah, they like cook it or something. I'm not exactly sure how to make crack, but (laughs) freebase is a form of cocaine that you don't snort; you smoke it. That's what a freebase, as I understand it, is. So you know, the traditional use of cocaine is insufflation. You you know, you snort it. Uh, Crack cocaine is a is I guess it's a crazier high or whatever. It's because it's more of like yeah, a concentrated thing, um, which is why I'm confused that cocaine would be more expensive because I always figured crack was like because more cocaine is all cocaine and then crack, crack is, is cut. Okay. cut. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. cut and cooked, but somehow I don't. From what I hear from people, they speak like it's stronger. Yeah, yeah I've always thought that too. And it might that just might have to be because you know you're smoking it or whatever. I don't know. We're, yeah. no, the three of us are not experts on this. Yeah, we're just speculating. But the reality is crack became a thing in the 1980s because the war on drugs was cracking down on cocaine and crack sort of rose up in that time to create this cheaper, crazier, more smokable, you know, experience for people. 
And the same thing was true with the alcohol prohibition. When alcohol prohibition came into play, people stopped using beer and they started using the more concentrated forms of alcohol. People, you know, if you're going to be a smuggler and you're going to smuggle a truckload of product, you want that truckload to bring you as much money as it possibly can. So why would you want to fill it with beer, which might only be, you know, 5% alcohol, when you could fill it and with... a whole bunch of bottles. Right. When you could fill it with, you know, tequila or some other kind of yeah. hard liquor that all the liquid takes up the same amount of space, but the harder stuff is going to sell better because that's what people want. Because that makes more sense as far as if you've got a limited amount of space to, uh, to do trafficking. And so the war on drugs, like the war on alcohol before it, has the similar results where you, everything goes underground, it gets more dangerous, it gets crazier, uh, and, and, the, the, and the drugs keep getting crazier. Uh, in fact, Bonnie, you and I were reading a book by Terrence McKenna that kind of addressed this and said, you know, he predicted in the 1990s that drugs were going to get even crazier, that there's going to be these synthetics that, that come out. Uh, and then you get, well, then I was thinking more like the synthetic stuff synthetic that comes out of weed. China. Yeah, like the synthetic quote unquote weed that mm. some of that stuff is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, it's not weed in any way, shape or form. There's more coming up here. Uh, there's, and you can share your thoughts. 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Whether you want to talk about the crack pipes that are in the news, you don't hear a lot about crack pipes uh, these days, but they're talking about it now with a $30 million roughly program by the Department of Health and Human Services that... I guess local organizations can apply for. So maybe that's governments. Maybe that's like, you know, community-based organizations is what they're saying here at uh, Newsweek.com in their story why the Biden administration is handing out free crack pipes. With you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. And don't forget, you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. And we do have a social media site. We run the thing. It's not operated by some big media company or big tech company, uh, which means that you have more freedom to speak over at social.freetalklive.com. That's social.freetalklive.com. And so once again here, just an interesting detail. It's apparently a 75-page application. So if you want this grant... As a local organization that wants to, you know, hand out needles or crack pipes or whatever stuff that this might pay for, 75 pages is That's what you have to fill That's worse than food stamps, out. I think. I guess. I've never applied for food stamps. I've never applied either, I don't think. I suspect it's I've way worse than it. that, yeah. Uh, the quote, the purpose of the program is to support community-based overdose prevention programs, syringe services programs, and other harm reduction services said the document and again 30 million dollars what is the dea's budget that's what i want to know because it's a great question yeah let's see if we can find a out lot more fast. than 30 million the fiscal year 2022 budget request for the dea totals 2.4 billion dollars what a waste of money yeah well they should just 
I don't know. I was going to say they should just pay for it with all the crypto they just stole the other day, but they Ooh. shouldn't. They should not. <laughs> yeah. We haven't talked about that story on Free Talk Live. I could pull were... up a story about it, but I don't, didn't have one. I just watched a video, but I could pull up a story if you want. There was something like three to four billion dollars worth of cryptocurrency that they stole from some people. One hundred twenty thousand bitcoins, and um, it was yesterday that they broke the news. I think well, yesterday, right? That I was watching that video. I guess they were alleging that the this couple, I guess, was involved in hacking uh, the Bitfinex exchange back in 2016. So several years ago. And I think at the time there were, I don't know how many thousands of bitcoins stolen, presumably 120, at least thousand. And at the time it was worth a fraction of what yeah. it is worth today. And now they're bringing these people up on some, I don't know if it's hacking charges or what it is that they're they're looking at. I haven't seen the indictment, so I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, but it's apparently a record seizure. This is the largest amount of probably money not just bitcoins, ever. but yeah, yeah money not just in a general Bitcoin thing. Oh that the gosh. federal government has seized. Yeah, I watched a video that the Justice Department put on YouTube yesterday. Um, one of our listeners, Robert, sent it to me. Um, of them bragging about it, they were saying this is the largest seizure ever made by the United States. Ugh, they're so disgusting. What do you think they do with that money? Well, if it was actually stolen from Bitfinex, which is, a, again, a, a global Bitcoin yeah. exchange, then presumably it should go back to, you know... Bitfinex. I doubt that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I wonder if that's what they would actually do, though. They just got no, 120 bitcoins. And in, if anything, what like if they just... 120,000. Sorry, 120,000 bitcoins. Yeah. What if they just give them the amount of money that's worth and keep the bitcoins? That would be evil. You mean give them the amount of money it was worth at the time? No, or? well, that too. They might do something like that. But what if they just give them... $3.4 billion, I think it was. And keep the Bitcoins? And keep the, keep the Bitcoins. That would well, be really bad. That's not how they tend to do things. What they'll do, because the federal government doesn't understand or value uh, Bitcoins, so they want to convert them. I think that them. they do. They don't want us to know. Because... Okay, well then publicly what they do is they convert them to cash by selling them at auction. So when, mm. uh, when the Silk Road was raided, and they took a large amount of uh, Bitcoins in the Silk Road raid... Then once they got the conviction, because they can't do anything until they get the conviction, but once they got the conviction and Ross Ulbricht was sent to prison for the rest of his life for running a website, they then auctioned to the highest bidder the Bitcoins that came from well, the Well, I wonder Road. if they would do the same thing now that they realize um, Bitcoin is what's, what is destroying them, like Hillary Clinton had admitted it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they would just give it back to the people I don't think they're going to give it back. Well, no, I mean, like, give it back in an auction. I wonder if they would do that again or if they're going to be like, you know what, we're keeping the Bitcoins. Mm, What's crazy know. to me is that people can't connect that when the government steals money from alleged criminals and then just keeps it for themselves or, you know, auctions, Bitcoin and things like that. How do people not see that and just understand that that doesn't make any sense like that's just wrong the main thing that this whole story has made me think immediately like as soon as i started watching the video of the it was basically like um i, I forget the lady's name she looks like such a man um and she's in the justice department she's like the speaker for them okay uh it, look, it just reminded me of those videos of cops with like a bunch of weed pipes on a table yeah. like we we stole this but you know it, there was no bitcoins to be seen in the video just her talking yeah. about it um, the main thing that I started thinking was just like these people were smart enough to rob Bitfinex, to hack Bitfinex and steal 120 Bitcoins, but they didn't know. 120,000. Sorry, 120,000. I don't know why I keep saying that, but 120,000 Bitcoins, but they're not smart enough to turn it into Monero. 
They put it into. <laughs> That's a great point. They put it into. Maybe they're maximalists. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I just for uh, listeners that don't know, you could turn it into Monero, then turn it back into Bitcoin. A Bitcoin maximalist is somebody who is yeah. they believe that Bitcoin is the one true cryptocurrency, that all other cryptocurrencies are inferior, and that all other cryptocurrencies will never succeed. That only yeah. Bitcoin is the true way to go. But if you just stole a bunch of Bitcoin and the addresses are per, per, publicly viewable. Just leaving it in there is stupid instead of just turning it into, I mean, I don't want to give stealers any ideas, but mm. I'm well, pretty sure most people know to do that. I, I do like your point, though, that it would make sense to convert it into some sort of legit privacy coin. But some people, I mean, maybe these women didn't realize that Bitcoin is traceable. I, I, for a while, people didn't think that Bitcoin was traceable. But I mean... I would I would never put it, I mean put the average person down for not knowing that but somebody who hacked Bitfinex and is like a yeah. master hacker and has holds 120,000 you don't want to learn about it like the basic you know things about it yeah. pretty crazy I feel like it's unbelievable and I could totally see it being some kind of just fake thing that happened so the government ends up with 120,000 bitcoins yeah, I do have the story here in case you uh, want to talk about it a little bit. It's uh, from the BBC that the stolen Bitcoin worth more than $4 billion U.S. dollars mm-hmm. uh, has been taken by the Department of Justice. They charged two people Tuesday with attempting to launder the money stolen by a hacker who breached a cryptocurrency platform in 2016. The hacker allegedly made off with nearly 120,000 Bitcoin at the time was only valued at $71 million and is now 5 billion dollars worth of bitcoin about 94,000 bitcoin of those 120,000 have been recovered the assistant attorney general said the seizure was proof the government quote will not allow cryptocurrency to be a safe haven for money laundering or a zone of lawlessness within our financial system so they got caught because they tried to move it Apparently, they, uh, the money moved around quite a bit, and people have been watching it, right? Because yeah. Bitcoin is public as far as the transactions are concerned. And the uh, coins allegedly oh. ended up in the wallets run by this person, Ilya Lichtenstein. I remember how it happened. They saved their private keys on a on their computer in, in some type of storage thing that was on the cloud. Mm. So that's how the government got it. So they just it. uploaded their keys to like the Apple cloud. computer or something like that or Microsoft. Because like when you say the cloud, yeah, that just means a server on the internet somewhere. I think it was something like that. It might have not been the cloud, but you know, they did something like that. Well, they- I believe I heard the same story as you did on that one, Pawnee, but they didn't identify which cloud they were yeah. talking about. And there's really only so many of these services that are commonly used by people, and Google's one of them. Apple. So, like, Google Documents, that's the cloud run by Google. Apple's got their own thing, right? So when you take pictures on your iPhone or whatever, Apple's probably sending those up to their cloud. They're, they're scanning them for child pornography now, for instance. But uh, I do realize something that I was saying must have been wrong then. So the hacker isn't the same as these two women that got caught. We don't know. Uh, at least I don't know. I have not read the uh, the complaint. The complaint alleges that Ilya Lichtenstein, who's 34 out of New York, and his wife Heather Morgan, 31, laundered about 25,000 of the stolen Bitcoin through various accounts over the past five years and used various methods to cover their tracks, from fake identities to converting their Bitcoin into other digital currencies. We'll continue here, and you can share your thoughts with us. The number is 603-283-6160. And then coming up... 
Back into uh, the COVID culture uh, news here about dating in the COVID world. Oh, God. And so we'll get into that coming up here. The number is 603-283-6160. It's about as pathetic as you're thinking it's going to be. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live phones are open if you want to join the show. You can. The number is 603-283-6160. Whether it's talking about crack pipes or cryptocurrency, those are some of the topics we've discussed here tonight. On the way, we're going to get into COVID dating. What's the dating scene like now that COVID is a thing? And, of course, we're talking about the dating scene for the pathetic people who believe everything the government tells them. Uh, So we're going to get into that story here with you tonight. It is Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. But we're going to your phone calls and thoughts first. So we've got Sam, who's on the line in Ohio. Sam, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to know if uh, nobody's going to be on any more shows coming up soon. Like, what happened to his bail conditions and everything? Yeah, so our friend and co-host Nobody, who was arrested along with me and several other of our friends uh, in a pre-dawn raid on March 16th of last year in the Crypto 6 situation, which is, uh, you can go to thecrypto6.com to learn more about that if you're a new listener to the show and you don't know about the Crypto 6. Nobody was the person who was kept in jail the longest. I was there the second longest. I had 69 days in jail. Nobody had six months uh, behind bars until they finally released him on some very ridiculous bail conditions, uh, which include included at the time him being completely prohibited from expressing himself publicly via any kind of online audio, video, possibly even blog posts. It wasn't really a clearly written order, so it's one of those things where if you're not sure, you should probably not do it rather than you know end up getting your bail revoked. Yeah, I think they do that intentionally. Yeah, and then have to go back to, uh, to a jail cell to await trial on what are some total garbage uh, charges that we're facing. Things like some of the things these people are facing in this crypto story. Money laundering, quote-unquote. Well, in my case, I'm facing that. Nobody, uh, thankfully, is not. But uh, they are, we are facing things like, quote-unquote, uh, unlicensed money transmitter, conspiracy to be an unlicensed money transmitter, and uh, but to to get to your answer, Sam, nobody is going to be on regularly on Free Talk Live. We're expecting him back as soon as tomorrow night. 
uh, where he'll be filling in for Yay! Matt. Yeah, yeah, he's coming back. Uh, he was on Monday. He was on Friday. And... Yeah, I saw he was on Monday. That's how I knew he was back. Yeah. And another question that I wanted to ask, I remember you said the second you were able to see him, you were going to hug him. Did you get to hug him yet? I did, yeah, I did. And he's on Fridays, so we're expecting him to be on regularly on Friday. He will likely be on regularly on Monday, at least until Aria returns. She is uh, recovering from surgery, so she's probably going to be out maybe for the rest of this month. It's not clear how long the recovery is going to take there, so you can expect to hear from nobody at least twice a week uh, until further notice on Fridays and Mondays, and then any other fill-in days we can we can get him in to make up for lost time. We're we're going to do that. We wanted him on last night, but he spaced out and slept in. Yeah, he so slept he, through the whole show and woke up at 10 p.m. Yeah, he woke up at 10.30 in the uh, in the evening yesterday. So, yeah, he's still nobody. He's still doing nobody things, but we love him. Uh, Sam, was there anything else you wanted to share? Uh, I just kind of think it's ridiculous that the court thought they could, like, disregard his freedom of speech rights. Yeah, well, they did, and, you know, they got away with it. Uh, now they've they've and nobody's going to come after them for what they did. No one is going to come after them for what gotcha. they did. Sorry, not nobody. Yeah, it's not that likely <laughs> just because it costs so much money to fight these things, and we're in the middle of fighting a criminal case. Well, so. I'm just saying they broke a law. They don't get yeah. uh, prosecuted for yeah. breaking no, a law. No, there will be no punishment for the prosecutors for asking for these restrictions or the judge for granting, granting. these restrictions. Uh, but here we are. But if things are now not the, as bad now as they were, so that's a good thing, I guess. The thing that I'd be really interested to see after your Crypto 6 case is he'll try and sue the state for holding him unlawfully for as long as they did. Well, presuming that they drop the charges and or lose at trial, then that may be something that he could do um, and what that might get him as far as... Any kind of compensation uh, would be interesting to see. So I guess we'll see how all this plays out. Sam, thanks for the call tonight. Uh, definitely appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160 to Jack in Washington State. You're on Free Talk Live. Jack. Yeah, this, there's got to be more than this crack pipe giveaway. Because okay. you know, I, grew, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. And I mean, not necessarily me specifically. Not necessarily, but you could smoke out of light bulbs, pop mm-hmm. cans, you know. So why would you give away something that's, I don't know, it, it's weird. I mean, the poorest section of the population does crack, and they can afford crack pipes already. Yeah. It's just, it is weird. I remember one time I was in a Walmart, and there were these two people that were, like, sketching me out. I was, like, a kid or a teenager, um, in the light bulb section next to me and my brother, and they were like, oh, this one will work. And then, like, picking up the next one, this one won't work. And my brother told me, he was like, they're going to do drugs with those. I was like, what? How? <laughs> but I don't know. And then my other question I wanted to make, besides I hope Sarah calls in tonight, because I, I know she's not listening, but I do love her, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, is that... Nikki, what is what do you what what do you have? What's your problem with uh, Kentucky, Nikki? I don't I have any problems wait. with Kentucky. I I think the point I was trying to make. I know what you're referring to. The point I was trying to make in the previous segment was that it's a pretty conservative yeah. state. So I, I it's not surprising me that a senator from Kentucky would try to shame drug users. Yeah, that's what I got out of it too. It was that they yeah. let people There's have drugs. Of- there's portions in New York State that are extremely conservative. Yeah, that's true. You, you wouldn't but want all to of Kentucky it. is 
extremely conservative. I don't think there's a portion that like votes blue. You know what? I've never been there, so I can't really say too much. I've been there a lot. That was actually my point, but I love you guys. I've been there a lot, and when you drive down the road, there are signs that say, have an abortion, God hates you. So, like, I don't think Nikki is wrong with her prejudging. On the right day, day you can find people that are saying abortions are good and they feel great if you go to the right city at the right time. Seems unbelievable that somebody would say that, but I I bet there are crazy people like that in the world. (laughs) But regardless, you know, the government gang does not belong uh, enforcing the war on drugs, whether it be in a conservative state or a liberal state. Anybody that actually cares about their fellow man should want to end the war on drugs if indeed the war on drugs was created to supposedly help people you should be able to admit that it has not that it has failed that it has done the opposite of its intentions and it has made life worse for countless individuals and that is a nonpartisan question to me absolutely thank you thanks jack for the call i appreciate it by the way i was just looking here for the uh, the glass roses just curious as to what these things cost you can go and get a uh, 360 piece 10 box set of these things on eBay for $138, so roughly 40 cents uh, wow. a piece. So the convenience store is going to mark that up, right? But yeah. even if they're selling it at a dollar, they're making twice the money that they invested into it. So I'm, I'm guessing you can go into a convenience store and get one of these things for a buck or two. Or yeah. like AliExpress or Wish probably yeah. has something like crack pipes. Sure, but you're going to have to order. The problem with that, though, Bonnie, is you have to have the uh, financial knowledge or the financial intelligence to be able to save a hundred dollars to be able to purchase a bulk buy on this stuff because if you're buying from like ali uh express or whatever you're probably gonna have to get a bulk quantity like this guy selling it on ebay and your typical crackhead if they got a hundred dollars they're gonna go buy crack with it they're not gonna save up and you know invest a little uh, side hustle you know (laughs) in in uh, in some pipes so if you want to comment here you're welcome to join us sarah is on the line sarah have you ever smoked crack Yeah, I did try it for a while, and it didn't. It didn't really um, get me too much. Did you use the little um, glass pipes with the roses in them, like you can get at the convenience store? I guess so. I don't know what what was available, but um, whatever they had, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what the last caller was saying is that, you know, a crackhead will use whatever they can get their hands on. And that's true of, like, kids smoking marijuana yeah, in was, high school, too. I was too. just yeah, thinking cans. I've used yeah. so many different things to smoke marijuana. <laughs> People so. smoke out of apples, for instance. That's a thing. Yeah, that's a apparently. fun one. <laughs> so what were you calling about, Sarah? I know it wasn't about crack smoking. Go ahead. No, but um, that caller before, he said he loved me. Um, I, I kind of wonder why he liked my calls. I, I, I don't under, I mean, I'm kind of interested in, in his perspective, but... Well, I mean, um, crazy um, is entertaining. So if you want, hang on, sir. We're going to bring you back here in just a moment. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. She thinks you're crazy. Zero. She does. Sorry. There's more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. Talk live phones are open. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. And in the studio tonight, you've got me, Ian. Me, Bonnie. And Nikki. 603-283-6160. Thank you to Chris LaRue, who is a Free Talk Live Diamond Level supporter of the AMPS program. That's a pretty epic level of support. Definitely appreciate it, Chris. 
And you can join him over at amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. And that allows you to help support what we do here on Free Talk Live. Another thing you can help support is Give Directly, which is the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people who are living in extreme poverty. And we know the federal government isn't going to be doing that with the $4 billion that they stole from a couple of people who they're alleging were involved in the Bitfinex hack. We'll uh, maybe talk a little bit more about that case because a lot of the people in the crypto world aren't buying that. But GiveDirectly does accept cryptocurrency. So if you're interested in uh, donating crypto through GiveDirectly, you can reach directly out to them, tell them what kind of crypto you want to give, and they can make that happen for you. They have delivered over $400 million to over a million people who live in just absolutely terrible circumstances. Uh, right now, we're raising money for people in Bamet and Kalifi counties in Kenya, and you can help us by going to give.freetalklive.com. Giving cash directly to people in need in serious poverty can drive a range of important positive changes in their lives like employment, nutrition, health, and education. So it allows the individual to make choices for themselves rather than having some sort of agency or a person thousands of miles away deciding for them. So if you agree that that's empowering, we want to help you by matching the contribution up to $30,000 in total. You can go to give.freetalklive.com. That's give.freetalklive.com. We go back to Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, what were you calling about tonight? Yes, I just um, like commenting about the yesterday's caller about Trudeau of Canada, that his parents were down in Cuba in the 1970s, and, and they thought that the mother um, had an affair with Fidel Castro, and he's like, um, Fidel Castro's son? Is that what I was told? Is that yes, what I was Yes, it's a hearing? really big conspiracy theory online that uh, Tr- Justin Trudeau is the uh, son of Fidel Castro, but he was raised by a different man. It looks pretty clear to me. I mean, if you've seen the photographs, they really do look identical. And the timeline lines up. If it was just the photographs, I'd be like, okay, that's right. The just fact a was the mom of Justin Trudeau was there Hanging with Fidel, out with Castro. Fidel T- Castro during the years that he would have been conceived. And apparently, she and her husband were known to be swingers. So oh. if she was with Fidel Castro, it wasn't that she was cheating. She was doing it likely with the uh, approval of her husband. And then the icing on the cake is that his dad i think his name is philip trudeau he looks nothing like him he doesn't look like he's remotely related to his supposed son justin trudeau that's spicy yeah (laughs) i've never heard of this um, this has been a thing okay so okay what what i want to know is um what were they doing in cuba in the 1970s unless they were communists like i was saying they're probably communists are oh my goodness well yeah well that's the that's what i'm trying to um like a trail back is that I know that when I, if, if Americans like about 30 years ago, if one of Americans wanted to go to Cuba, uh, you could not go straightly from Cuba. I mean, from the U S to Cuba at that mm-hmm. time. That's right. So well, they, what, what they did was they went to Canada and from there they had a relations with Cuba. So you could go Correct. and visit Cuba. Yep. So, so then Okay, so Trudeau. Okay, nineteen seventy. What were they? Were they were they part part of the parliament? Were they senators? Were they were they politicians? The Trudeau's parents. They were politicians, or I don't know about his mom, but his dad is was a politician, and like I think lots of his like 
grandfathers were politicians. He has lots of family members that are men that are politicians. I don't know about the mom, and I don't know what they were actually officially doing in Cuba. That's a great question. I, I heard about this conspiracy theory in, like, 2016, so I don't remember all the details, but... Yeah, it's Google. Nikki, you've got to pull up the the photos. I mean, if you've never seen this before, we'll get your on the air response to. And you have to. I'm sure when you look for Justin Trudeau, Fidel Castro, uh, Fidel Castro, the the photos will automatically come up with the comparisons. But obviously, you want to look at young Fidel Castro and current day uh, Justin Trudeau because comparing. He's not young, or he's not old, right? He's like. 40. Yeah, he's probably in his like late 40s or oh. early 50s. Would be my guess. Oh my gosh. It's literally the same person. It's a dead it, ringer. It now looks like the same person in yeah. this photo too. Like they're facing the same mm-hmm. way and they're like angled the same way. They do look like now. Now look up his real dad or his supposed real dad. You're gonna be like, yeah, that's not, not his even dad. Close. I think it's Philip Trudeau. Hey Sarah, uh, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. The number here is six zero three two eight three six one six zero. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. We were talking about the alleged Bitfinex hackers and they're apparently according to newsbtc.com the federal government gang isn't actually saying that they were the hackers they're Hmm. just charging them with money laundering so they bought it from the hacker we don't know Hmm. well we don't know what the true story is behind this we don't know even if these people are guilty of doing what the federal government is alleging that they were doing i mean for all we know the real hacker or whatever got access to their accounts Hmm. and put all that stuff up there to frame them or something like that or maybe the federal government is framed who knows what the real story is but somebody stole in 2016 over a hundred thousand bitcoins from uh, the bitcoin exchange called bitfinex and actually, the Shire Free Church was involved in uh, getting robbed in that particular case because we had an account with uh, with Bitfinex at the time, and they stole some of the church's oh, uh, wow. Bitcoins. And what was interesting about that was Bitfinex actually tried to make good by – it was really strange. They offered like their own token that you could trade on their marketplace – and just to see what – like basically the idea behind the token was do you think Bitfinex is going to make this – whole someday and if you thought so, you're like so voting we were trading their token so you could trade their token and then the market would decide what the value of this token was worth and over time the value of the token went up because people believed that bitfinex was going to honor uh the the, the robbery or whatever that they were going to make did they? make it good honestly i don't remember i took uh, once the token hit 50 percent, i sold it all off and i said you know that's good enough it's probably a good idea uh, i'm out of here well plus bitfinex also banned uh, U.S. users shortly mm-hmm. thereafter. So one of the questions that Paul Puey from Edge Wallet was asking on Twitter earlier today is now that the federal government has all the Bitcoin back, or at least 90 or 80 percent of it from this hack, are they going to give it back to Bitfinex? And if they do, will Bitfinex actually reimburse their users for what was lost? Because it wasn't Bitfinex that lost the money. It was their users mm-hmm. that lost the, the Bitcoin in this case. So what will they do if they actually do give this back? But again, that comes back around to the question of will the federal government gang actually give back this Bitcoin, which is now worth billions of dollars, like four or five billion dollars. And it was only worth 71 million at the time. I mean, yeah. at the time, it was, I think, the, big, the biggest hack that had ever happened to a, a Bitcoin exchange. But that's, whew, that is a lot of Bitcoin. And so looking at the people who they are alleging were involved, there are a couple 
who is living in New York City. And as uh, Jameson Lop on Twitter says, imagine sitting on $4 billion in stolen Bitcoin, knowing you're being hunted by nation states and deciding that New York City is a smart place to hole up. Hmm. See, I know something fishy is going on. It'll be interesting to watch this case and see what the government's argument is. Yeah, it will. There's more coming up here. You can share your thoughts with us. The number is 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. Join liberty-minded volunteerists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 27th through July 3rd for the 6th Annual Fork Fest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out for the first time in 2021. ForkFest takes place the week after ForkFest, but ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no better place to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there. ForkFest.Party. It's Free Talk Live. Phones open here if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. On the way, the pathetic dating life of people who are obsessed with COVID. We'll talk about that. And with you in the studio, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. But we're, um, Bonnie, we, neither, neither of us were really prepared to talk about this, but you brought it up earlier. So it is important, I think, to discuss the largest seizure in history by the federal government gang. It has to do with Bitcoin and something around 100,000 of them. 120,000. Well, that's what was originally stolen but I'm not sure uh, if that's what they actually ended up seizing. Got. I think they might have seized like 94000 which is still quite still a, a lot, lot of money. Yeah, it's quite a large haul. It's over $4 billion worth of Bitcoin at today's prices. So we've been covering that here. And, uh, of course, you're welcome to comment at 603-283-6160. The NewsBTC.com story looking at the alleged hackers, Ilya Lichtenstein and Heather Morgan, a New York City couple, that have now been arrested by the federal government gang. They're facing up you to forgot, 25 years. You forgot to say insufferable couple. I mean, I don't know them personally, but we were watching some of the videos and they're a little bit annoying, I guess. They're insufferable. In that case. But the uh, apparently he describes himself as a tech entrepreneur and she a writer slash rapper. Uh, the question here is, could they have hacked a cryptocurrency exchange or are they just the money launderers for a bigger operation? And did they really save the private keys to billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin on the cloud? Or were they set up? Is law enforcement playing tricks on the public or are they the heroes of the day? They're definitely not the heroes of the day. Well, if they did actually recover 94,000 uh, Bitcoin that were stolen, then they have done the right thing. And give it back to the right people. If it's given back. Yeah. yeah. We don't know if that part's going to happen yet. 
but in theory, they could do the right thing and actually reimburse the victims from this uh, theft. But uh, what is the Bitfinex hack all about and why is it relevant now? The statement of facts, quote unquote, available at justice.gov, because those aren't necessarily facts, it's just their claim and their story, does a good job of setting the stage. Quote, in or around August of 2016, a hacker breached victim VCE's security systems and infiltrated its infrastructure. While inside the network, the hacker was able to initiate over 2,000 unauthorized Bitcoin transactions in which approximately 119,754 Bitcoin was transferred from VCE's wallets to an outside wallet. At the time of the breach, that was valued at about $71 million worth of Bitcoin. Due to the increase in value, the stolen funds are now valued at over $4.5 billion as of this month. Now, the story here at NewsBTC points out that money ended up in a Bitcoin address associated with Ilya Lichtenstein and Heather Morgan. But notice that law enforcement never actually says that they are the hackers. In fact, the couple has only been charged with money laundering. Hmm. What's the story here? According to sister site Bitcoinists, the suspects who were arrested in Manhattan, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco called the uh, the largest in the terms of financial seizure in history. In that sense, the government official stated that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are not a, quote, safe haven for criminals. And then they go on with all their law enforcement tough talk. Who is Ilya Lichtenstein? He is a tech entrepreneur and Y Combinator alumni. In his Twitter account, which is at Unreal Dutch, he defines himself as a human angel investor, Web3 developer, and serial entrepreneur. In his What's most, a human angel investor? Somebody who um, invests in things, I guess. An angel might be somebody who invests in something that may or may not work Make out. Make money, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in his most crucial tweet, now I don't know how one de- defines what a crucial tweet is. Is that most the most popular, popular maybe? one? Never heard that either. Dutch criticizes a New York Magazine article saying, quote, Oh, God, no. So many words about posering on Twitter, almost nothing about how to secure your keys and send a transaction or get a DeFi loan. So he sounds like someone who knows the lingo of cryptocurrency talking about securing your keys but he, if he said that why would he hide his keys on the cloud to millions of do- billions of dollars of crypto exactly great question uh and as the point out the article points out does that seem like the bitfinex hacker to you or more mm-hmm. importantly does it seem like a person who would store his private keys in the cloud we wouldn't know but the justice.gov report says quote on january 31st 2022 law enforcement gained access to a specific Bitcoin wallet, by decrypting a file saved to Lichtenstein's cloud storage account, which had been obtained to a pursuit to a search warrant. The file contained a list of 2,000 virtual currency addresses, along with the corresponding private keys. Blockchain analysis confirmed that almost all of those addresses were directly linked to the hack. But again, he hasn't been charged with actual hacking. Of course, it has been less than two weeks since they actually got access. Yeah. To the files. I was thinking maybe all the charges haven't come out yet. Like maybe they need to go through their, these people's computers and that then they're going to charge them with more things. Uh, and so in any case, in an article entitled Rethinking the Ethereum Wallet for Mass Adoption in the, quote, people are terrified of hackers in malware section, Ilya says, quote, the biggest threat to mass adoption is without a doubt security. It's still it's still way too hard to properly secure plain text private keys without making a mistake along the way. We cannot expect mainstream users to be security experts in a world where the most common password is still 123456. 
Security needs to be built into the product by design. I've never heard that about the password. You didn't know that? I, I thought the most common password was password. That's also a very common password. Probably that one well, or the series of numbers. Maybe they're getting this off of people's, like, every single account. Like, something people don't care about that they would put one, two, three, four, five, six. I don't or, know. I don't even know if I would... Even if I didn't care if somebody... Even if it was something that I felt didn't need a password... I would never use that as a, pa- yeah. you know, it's just like ridiculous. <laughs> but you'd be surprised how many people just, uh, yeah, because they don't want to remember or they can't, they don't think they can remember their other passwords. Uh, of course, a lot count. of people use the same password over and over again. So then yep. what happens is if you, if your password is compromised on an existing system, so, you know, let's say somebody hacks Google and they take all their passwords. Well, if you were using that same password on your bank account, now yeah. they have access to your bank account, too. Oh, my right? gosh. Uh, so who is Heather Morgan, a.k.a. RazzleCon? This is the girlfriend or Her fiance. Her name is RazzleCon. That yep. seems bad. Uh, reportedly, Heather Morgan is a successful copywriter who grew her own business without outside investors. On her Twitter page, which is at Heather Rayhan, R-E-Y-H-A-N, she defines herself as a serial entrepreneur, SAAS investor, RazzleCon, surreal, surrealist artist, rapper, and fashion designer with, with synesthesia. Also, Forbes writer. Her most crucial tweet says, quote, Good guiding compass to live by. How much of a positive impact does your life have on others, including society and nature? Unquote. The reason she's much more interesting than her husband is her rap alter ego, RazzleCon. Her videos are not available on YouTube anymore, but you can still listen to the songs on SoundCloud. We listened to a couple of clips that they were uh, published here, and they were pretty awful. I wouldn't call them yeah. songs. Yeah. <laughs> and you thought it was a joke. And maybe she is, like, a joke. It is, but... like, it is like a joke, but it's she's making money off of it. So it's not know. a joke in that maybe way, but it's is, a joke as in she's not taking herself too seriously. She seems goofy. Well, if she's sitting on 100,000 Bitcoins, it doesn't matter whether or not she makes money on a yeah. rap, right? Uh, so then they go on. They just share some of the couple's videos. But they say more interesting is Morgan's career as a Forbes writer. In her article titled, Experts Share Tips to Protect Your Business from Cyber Criminals, the supposed Bitfinex hacker says, quote, Companies that didn't already have distributed teams or work-from-home policies have struggled to transition to going fully remote amidst the pandemic. Cyber criminals and fraudsters are taking advantage of this unexpected disruption, leading to a spike in scams and cybercrime. Wacky music aside, says NewsBTC, does that sound like a person who would launder money through gift cards registered under her real name? We wouldn't know, but the Justice.gov report claims that records show that portions of the $500 gift card were then redeemed through three transactions for personal items via a Walmart iPhone application. Each of the three redemptions were conducted online under Morgan's name and using one of Morgan's email addresses and providing Morgan and Lichtenstein's home address well, for the delivery. How much money each does it say? I've not read the uh, the full report here. They're just giving us an excerpt here suggesting that they took the Bitcoin, turned them into Walmart gift cards, and then bought items from Walmart with the Bitcoin-created gift Even cards. Even that doesn't sound like something sophisticated enough for the... Bitfinex hacker. Indeed. The number 603-283-6160. Your thoughts are certainly welcome, and you can share them with us here on Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can join us here if you want. The number for you is 603-283-6160. That's 603 283 6160. We will continue to follow the Bitfinex hack.
case, as more information comes out, I went ahead and followed the Twitter accounts of the two people that they're accusing of this, presuming they get out of jail. Hmm. Uh, that you know they're accused of much less as far as quote unquote crimes, and even the Crypto Six has been. So apparently, they're only facing money laundering charges, whereas we're facing a whole bevy of charges. Even though there's Isn't not that a, crazy, yeah, and there's oh not gosh. a single victim in the the Crypto Six case. At all, with the more exception charges, of the Crypto Six. More charges might be coming towards those people, though. That's I feel true. Like, because they didn't get raided until just now. Yep, that's true as well. Uh, so you can join us again, the number 603-283-6160. Let's get into the COVID, not so much news, because actually some of the news about COVID is actually kind of good. Like even New York is rolling back some of the yeah. mandates right now. Uh, which is unbelievable. In New Jersey with uh, public schools. But then again, as somebody pointed out, it is election season, so maybe they feel like it's more popular for them to not have all these restrictions. might get them reelected. But regardless, this is actually more of like a lifestyle story. And the headline caught my attention from the Washington Post. He's cute, but is he swab-worthy? How rapping test, rapid <laughs> testing became a dating ritual. What? Yeah. <laughs> is he swab-worthy? Swab-worthy, yeah. That is, oh my God. Can you imagine your girlfriend saying that to you? Like, <laughs> this guy is cute. Do you think he's swab-worthy? I would literally stop being friends with them. <laughs> <laughs> Asking someone to stick something up their nose isn't usually polite, second, or even third date behavior. But when Jamie Gloin's date called an hour before they planned to meet up for an art exhibit in downtown San Francisco saying she had a headache, he swooped in with a nose swab. She was probably like, God, I lied about this head- headache and now he's coming over with a <laughs> nose right. swab. Gloin had several COVID-19 rapid tests on hand, so he took one to her apartment. As soon as his date's drops hit the test strip, two pink lines appeared. Ew. She was positive. Gloin bid his day to do and went to the art exhibit alone. Oh, you have a headache and you tested positive for a cold. Sorry, I'm going to go alone. <laughs> it was his 41st birthday, and though he was celebrating solo, he was relieved to be vaccinated, boosted, and to have had an antigen test to spare. So he got to be alone on his 41st birthday. And he felt good about it. And he was thankful to the government for all of his free COVID tests. Well, you know what? At least he doesn't have COVIDs. Many in the dating scene aren't as cautious or as prepared, and who can blame them? For two years, the coronavirus pandemic has been making the awkward and excruciating dating dance even more complicated. At every stage, there are new precautions to take and questions to ask. Is my date social distancing? Do they arrive with their own mask, or do I need to give them one? Are they vaccinated? Boosted? When was their last coronavirus test? How do I trust that they're telling the truth? Oh, my. This is all in addition to the pre-pandemic conundrums. Do I like them and do they like me back? So uh, (laughs) just prior to thankfully meeting you, Bonnie, uh, I was in, you know, the dating apps and they were all about indicating whether or not somebody had uh, COVID support or whatever. Like at the time there wasn't uh, the vaccine, so they didn't have like, I'm vaccinated. I think they've got like images now that people can reveal whether or not they're vaccinated. But uh, they certainly were imaging themselves with the masks on. And, you know, to me, of course, that was an instant not interested uh, if you're going to be signaling that. 
But in the spring of 2020, many singles learn how to master virtual dates. This is so cringy. It's sad, isn't it? And it's so funny because I feel like previously the question was, oh, are you guys going to have like sex on the first date or not? Mm -hmm. And now you have to social distance and like wear masks. And so, I mean, there's definitely not going to be a kiss at the end of that first date. Probably not, unless you're like some of these couples that actually kiss with masks on, which is totally, you talk about cringe. Yeah. Ew, imagine your first date with someone and you're kissing them with a mask on. But it's just disgusting. It's more than cringe. It's, it's gross. gross. Because it's like, imagine holding a napkin up to your face and talking for a few hours and then going and touching it on somebody else's napkin. That That's disgusting. It's a Petri dish yes. of disgusting. bacteria and disease. I've seen some people actually drop a mask on the floor Pick it back up and put it back on their face. I've seen that happen. At my, so it's worse than just a petri dish. It's like a dirty yeah. petri dish. At my dentist's office, there was a time that they didn't have any masks sitting in their front uh, doorway where they usually do. Mm-hmm. So I started to come in. They're like, "Oh, we'll bring you a mask." So I'm standing at that doorway, and there was a truck coming in to bring them supplies. And there was like a young guy that was getting out of the passenger side of the truck, and he dropped his mask on the outside steps to this huge truck you know how they have steps that are just always there so they're like nasty like black sure like right next to the wheels trucks he drops his mask on it picks it up and puts it on and walks past me i'm like oh yeah he's safer than me to be right yeah Yeah. i'm I'm leaving that dentist now by the way side note because i emailed them telling them i have an exemption i don't want to come in with a mask anymore it gives me issues with the, um, what my doctor wrote me this note for. Here's my note. And they said they're, they're not comfortable with me being in there without a um, mask on in their common areas, but they could bring me out a face shield. I'm just not going to go to a dentist that would force me to do something like that. That happened to me at my dentist, too. Really? I like went and tried to not wear a mask, and I gave them, I showed them my medical exemption. Is this in Massachusetts? Yep. And um, I like they freaked out at me, and I was like, "Okay, I guess I'm finding a different dentist." Yeah, they don't yeah. want your business. There yeah. is a dentist here. I I don't even want to say it because what if everybody starts making appointments there? There there is a dentist here where you don't have to wear a mask. So I'm just going to make an appointment there. Mm. Maybe Indeed. I'll announce it after I make my appointment. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know if we have a huge audience in Keene, New Hampshire, uh, but regardless. So back to the dating scene in those days before vaccines. Oh oh oh, the virtual dates thing. So. I guess people weren't actually going on real dates. They would have a Zoom date, apparently. Mm. And they uh, they say, in, in parentheses here, good lighting is important. Keep it short and don't get too drunk. Are there tips for your virtual dates? What? In those days before <laughs> vaccines, daters might have agreed to isolate or scrambled for a PCR test before hooking up or dining indoors together. Once vaccination started in 2021, meeting strangers in person got safer and easier. If only people took taking STD tests this seriously. I, I know, right? right? And I think the the way this article is speaking is so funny because you know this wasn't the majority of the people. What do you mean? You know doing things like this. This is definitely a minority of people Hmm. that are going above and beyond to follow all of these excessive protocols. I think the majority of people weren't, were going on dates normally. They weren't wearing masks. Even in cities? No, I I, I, I agree with Nikki. Like we live in the Northeast. It's pretty uh, compliant. Mm -hmm. She, She lives in Massachusetts and I lived in a city. I mean, it was Texas, but Nobody cared about if I was wearing a mask or not. If it was like, mm. well, any to where we went into, like I would have to put on a mask with them. And that was just normal for me and anyone I was 
uh, with, but it wasn't like they were like, you're not going to wear a mask. It wasn't anything like that. You know, like nobody cares for their own safety if you wear a mask. It's just a thing of, of it's a social thing. I don't want to be seen as a Republican. Yeah. Mm. And it's a, well, they're going to make me do it thing. I think what from what I've seen, mostly people will be wearing the mask, right? And then they're... Their reaction when they find out they don't have to wear the mask is, oh, thank God. And then they Mm -hmm. take it off. So, and of course, that doesn't mean there isn't a minority of people, probably in like California, probably New York City, stuff like that, who really are like, you need to wear a mask if you're going to be with me because I'm not getting sick and I'm not killing people's grandmas or whatever. You know, there probably is a minority, but it's not the majority. And what Nikki is saying is this writer is acting like, oh, it's how how it is nowadays. Everybody does this. Yeah, they're trying to normalize it. And it's not normal. And that may be, you might be right about that. But according to uh, some friends of ours who were from big cities like Philly, uh, New York City, those kind of places, According to people who are actually living in those places, like Nick Shankin, for instance, I, I'm thinking of specifically the gentleman who you met. I remember at, him. Yeah. Um, he lived in Philly, or I think still He's does. A and, you know, gay guy living in the gayborhood of, uh, of Philly. And he says that he cannot socialize with any of his friends. Or he said this on New Year's Eve when we had our party, uh, 2020 to 2021. He was telling us this. He just, he can't even walk down the street without being heckled, you know, for not wearing a mask. Uh, well, so the, the I mean, that would be true of me, the, too, in San Antonio, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be something where people my age wouldn't want to be around me if I took it off when I got out of the parking lot. You know what I mean? Like, but you're, it, it's like I got your own literally friends. heckled in Walmart for having my mask down to just be on the phone because I didn't want to have a mask on. Uh, like, but you're talking about your time. own friends wouldn't come after you, right? If you were walking out of place, taking a mask off, going yeah, into a car with your I'm own friends. Like my, exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like right. People aren't He's actually He's saying his strange. own friends did not want to associate with him. Hmm. His own, like He was completely ostracized from all of his previous social circles hmm. because he wasn't going along with all the COVID stuff. So How I don't awful. know. I think it's different in a big city as far as whether or not the majority is or is not doing these things. Uh, but obviously outside of big cities, yeah, it's, I think it's probably, you're probably right, Nikki. More coming up. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. The phones are open here. And of course, that means you can bring up anything that you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio with you tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. We're talking about dating in the world of the constantly frightened covid fearful uh i presume younger people and these people do exist now you guys question whether or not they are the majority and i think that you know if you're including rural areas no they're not the majority if you're talking about the cities maybe they are i just don't think so because i know for fact it's not the majority in texas cities that's like a huge population of the population and then it's definitely not in like even manchester here yeah but that's new hampshire i think it depends on the city for sure like san francisco san francisco you better believe these people are the majority added up with the rural areas i just really don't think so do you think it's that way in nashville tennessee i really don't think so yeah i doubt it by the way, the couple that they, or the guy that they used as the example in this story lives in San Francisco. Yeah, So the exactly. guy who's got like See, extra. I knew it. 
<laughs> yeah, he's got extra COVID tests on hand and then takes one to his potential date, Ugh. demands that she test, and she does, and she doesn't pass, so he goes on the date alone to the art gallery. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so, sorry, yeah, it's it just depends this headache. On the city. I mean, you're just going to have to go alone. Yeah, it, dep- it totally depends on the city. So I think in a city like, uh, I mean, Manchester isn't even really a city. I mean, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. technically a city, but it's pretty small, all things considered. It's like 120,000, which is still city size, but it's it's not like a metropolis. Uh, yeah. It's not some sort of sprawling place like, uh, you know, Los Angeles, where, you know, places where there are mandatory indoor mask mandates, mandatory vaccinations, places where people do that stuff. And but you're a right, lot of there people are, are people coerced. That, Even yeah, in like Los are. Angeles, they're just coerced. So they're doing no it to go along to get along, not because they're like sitting around. Not every one of them is sitting around thinking, uh, is my date vaccinated and boosted? I don't want to mm-hmm. get sick. So I just really don't think it's the majority. I think Nikki is right. Well, I hope you guys are right about that. I mean, it's going to be hard to get any kind of real feel for what that's like. If it was um, the majority all TV shows would be people with masks, people going and getting their booster shots and stuff like that. But why don't they uh, make TV shows like that? Because they want people to watch it and not be annoyed. Well, people are showing up in masks on television from what I understand. Now, I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, but I've, I've seen images over the last year of productions that do involve and plot lines that do involve uh, people with masks. Well, so not that's like the biggest that's, movies. That's I wouldn't know. Yeah. Oh, we saw it in the Matrix. There were people in the the masks in the Matrix. And now, they made it wasn't fun of Japan. it. It was they made fun of it. It wasn't the whole movie, and That's it wasn't true. like oh, they're normalizing and everybody's wearing masks. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. to where the average person would be like, this is normal, watching it and not walk out. Yeah, I hope it doesn't come to that, Bonnie. And I appreciate your your optimism about this. Um, if, if there's anybody out there that lives in one of these big cities and they want to comment on what the attitude is is really like and what how common this level of fear is of people who are purportedly young. I mean, I'm guessing we're not talking about a, a 61 year old or something like that here in this in this story. Yeah, one of them's 41. So let me go on here with this uh, WashingtonPost.com. They talk about how in the days before vaccines, daters have might, have, uh, might have agreed to to isolate or scrambled for a PCR test before hooking up or dining indoors together. Once vaccination started, meeting strangers in person got safer and easier. Well, did it get safer? Because from what I understand, having a vaccine doesn't mean you aren't spreading COVID. And also, from what I understand from an article I read from NPR just two days ago, they're just now realizing how the immune system works. They said just now. They said now that they have more information about how <laughs> like, the Im- immune system works, they realize that getting infected does provide you with years of um, immunity. Immunity. But yet they're also saying, "Oh, you should still get a vaccine on if even if you've been infected." Which even though the people who are vaccinated are the ones in the ICU dying when they yeah. get COVID, and everybody that I know that has gotten COVID and is unvaccinated is relatively, if not asymptomatic, they're still at home. Like, they're not even at the point where they need to be hospitalized. Yeah, my my whole family, sorry, just got Omicron in Alabama, and they all just got over it like it was a cold. And then uh, my dad, he developed pneumonia, but they even told him, like, it's it's such a little case of it, just go home. They didn't give him medication. So There are doctors who will tell you that it's actually a bad idea to get a vaccine for COVID or for anything after you've already come down with the thing, that the yeah. natural yeah. immunity is superior and getting a vaccine can actually be harmful. After yeah, that. like I've never had a chickenpox vaccine because I got ch- chickenpox as a kid. Right. It, it would be retarded to just go get myself injected with the vaccine 
Yeah, it wouldn't make sense because you already have immunity. And it might actually be worse to get the vaccine if you've already had chickenpox. Then the Delta and Omicron variants hit, nudging some to rethink their COVID protocols. Should I ask my date to take a test before the first date or only if we plan to be together inside? And who's responsible for supplying? The person who's more cautious, whoever has more on hand, or is it each germ machine for themselves? If you oh were God. if you were caring about this crap, it should be each for yourself. I wouldn't be like that's ridiculous. Rapid tests can be hard to find. At about $12 a pop, they're not cheap, and they're not always accurate. Some singles say they ask their date to get tested only if they've traveled recently or have the sniffles. Others ask for a test while the relationship is still new. Some daters say they're saving the free rapid test distributed by the Biden administration for a romantic rendezvous, because nothing's That's more romantic so disgusting. than In- stopping everything for a quick rapid test. This is actually something that this uh this whole culture has actually made more dangerous i think because why would you go on a date with somebody if you have this the sniffles i mean if you're feeling sick you would just be like i'm not gonna i'm gonna stay home right i mean maybe it depends on how bad your sniffles are like if you're just sneezing Mm -hmm. but i I wouldn't feel good about going out to a to dinner if i had like a cough before covid times but nowadays it's oh well i got i got tested yeah Yeah, you might not enjoy yourself or feel ugly but yeah Still, it's hard to know what to do, says the Washington Post. The CDC doesn't specify whether a test is recommended before you swap saliva with a stranger or invite to invite them to come upstairs. Imagine worrying over what the CDC says about dating oh protocols. Yeah. You know, what you should do on a date. Check with the CDC. It's ridiculous. Claire yeah. O'Connor, the head of, head of content for the dating app Bumble, says that asking someone the last time they were tested for the coronavirus is similar to asking whether they've had a recent STI test. She says it's a precaution you take when you're considering getting intimate with somebody. So anyway, let's see here. Uh, then they go on with a uh, Seinfeld reference. Skipping that. Cindy, a 39-year-old tech worker in San Francisco, San Francisco did trust her date. Perhaps too much. Cindy, who spoke on the condition of using her first name only for professional privacy, figured she'd taken all the necessary precautions by asking about her date's vaccination status. They were both vaccinated and boosted, and after three or four dates during which they'd become intimate, Cindy's date called to say she wasn't feeling well. A test confirmed she was positive. A few days later, With a cold. It's not like, oh my god, this is a story of getting <laughs> yeah, it's gonorrhea. Like, yeah, it's not like they have HIV. It's like, okay, you you got COVID. Yeah, you're gonna maybe you miss You'll a little bit right. of work. You'll be okay. A few days later, so I wouldn't even Cindy. think before all this. Sorry, I wouldn't have even think if I was hanging out with someone or whatever. And then a few days later, I got the cold. I wouldn't think to call someone because if they got the cold, they'd get over it. Yeah. Yeah. That's would, true. I don't think most Nor people would, would do that. Nor would you where you got it from either. Or when, yeah. Right? Isolation forced the two women to revert to video dates and prompted some honest conversations that helped accelerate their relationship. <laughs> Thankfully, our values and approach to the illness are aligned, Cindy Those says. Those conversations are probably so insufferable. Having fully healed from a mild case of the coronavirus, Cindy doesn't regret neglecting to test before getting physical. Quote, there's no way I can make that happen. I would seem so high maintenance that the other person would run away. I would never get any kisses, period, she says. Yeah, well, at least she knows. (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, she's saying that even in San Francisco. That backs up your, that backs your case. 
But she has modified her behavior. She's now testing herself once a week just to make sure she's negative. Remember, this woman is vaccinated and boosted. And she's testing herself every single week. Just to make sure she's negative before meeting up with the woman who gave her COVID earlier this month. More coming up here. (laughs) Sounds so weird. In moments. 603-283-6160. This is life for some people. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're reading a story from an insufferable city liberal explaining these cowardly city dwellers and how it is that they are handling their dating life in the so-called pandemic here. And just the uh, the amount of fear that just drips off of this article, and the 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 embracing of the fear, the uh, the idea that it's just something to be it's, it's respected. Like, it's like being yeah. hygienic mm-hmm. to be fearful of a cold. Well, there's a whole other article she wrote. I was looking at this woman, uh, the author here, and she uh, her name is Lisa Bonos. And she writes a lot. She's like a dating author or whatever. She writes a lot about The Bachelor, but she's got a lot of other like pandemic propaganda, dating propaganda pieces. And there's another one here called What's Sexy in a Pandemic? Caution. And hmm. it says, uh, ask, ask a dater about their pandemic turn-ons, and you'll hear things like, when someone has hand sanitizer in their pocket. What? No. <laughs> no. When someone offers you an extra fresh mask they brought, even if you already have one. When someone gets tested or agrees to stay home for days before a date. When someone feels or someone seems like they could hold their own if they were dropped in the woods and needed food and shelter. Where'd that one come from? Yeah, I know, that, right? That's like totally random. And that does right? not remind me of these pandemic like, crazy no. people. We went from beta male right. to like... Alpha male. Yeah, right? Like <laughs> He can fish in the river by with his arms. <laughs> Pandemic turnoffs include partying, unnecessary travel, complaining about wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, wearing a dirty mask. One woman said she was appalled that someone she'd been out with a few times had said he'd eaten inside an olive garden, risking your life for in. Get this one. Listen to this. Risking your life for in at Little Washington, she might understand, not Olive Garden. (laughs) (laughs) So it's okay. So she's stuck up. Yeah, it's okay if you go to the Fru Fru foodie place, but you can't go to Olive Garden. Oh, and I thought it wasn't risking your life. I thought it was risking everyone else's lives. Oh, good point. Right? Mm. She sounds selfish. Yeah. Mm. So we're back to this original story here about the dating scene on uh, how rapid testing became a dating ritual, according to this propaganda piece. Uh, They've looked at some San Franciscans and how just frightened they are still in general. Here we are, you know, two whole years basically after the start of this thing. And uh, people are still living in fear. They're still, you know, doing this ridiculous nonsense. But we're going to continue here. So. You forgot to mention one thing. You should describe the art on this article. The artwork is two people 
uh, a, a male and a female, presumably, who are staring at each other, and they have a... There's like hearts in the background, but the hearts look like they're kind of made from maybe like a virus or something like that. Um, And then in between the two people, there's a nose swab that is up both of their noses (laughs) and it sort of curls around into a heart on... Oh my God. In the middle of the the two faces. I'm going to have have nightmares about that. Some daters who live in vaccine-resistant areas, remember, they talked to the San Franciscans already. So so that's us? Yeah. (laughs) Are still asking that big question from 2021. Have you had your jab? A 28-year-old designer in Kentucky who spoke on the condition of anonymity for professional privacy asks every man she matches with online whether he's vaccinated, quote, if they're not, that's too bad. I'm not meeting you, she says. No, I'm not trying to just dump on Kentucky tonight, but why even become a like fashion designer and live in Kentucky? Like, just, I mean, you're obviously trying to... Um... Well, so she's a designer, so she could be a graphic designer, could be a fashion oh, designer. I guess I just assumed fashion. Uh, she says they're usually angry at me and confused as to why I care. She says it's for her safety. So yeah, once again, changing the narrative of, oh no, now it is really all about you. Hmm. They're, they're being at least honest in this case. So they're the ones who are afraid. If her vaccine works, if the vaccine works, then why, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Yeah. After making her requirements known to a recent match, well, because this is really all about filtering, right? Like she yeah. ultimately wants to filter people here. Yeah. She wants to filter out the, you know, the the good old boys or whatever who don't aren't interested in this, and she wants the, you know, the liberal beta males. She can I move guess, out of Kentucky. Right? I'm sure there aren't that many liberal beta males that just live in Kentucky. After making her requirements known to a recent match, a mechanic with a super cute smile, he sent her a photo the next day. He was getting his first shot specifically so they could go on their first date. Can we meet up now, he asked. She wants to wait until he's fully vaxxed. Okay, so there are beta males in Kentucky. Yeah. (laughs) In the meantime, they're texting every day. She says he's annoyed to have to wait so long, but I don't really care. It's been a long pandemic. Anything worth having is worth waiting for. Ugh. Julie Kraftchick, a 38-year-old woman in San Francisco again, who hosts the da- the Dateable podcast, thinks there are two types of people. Those who are still bunkering down, quote, and the people who are like, everyone's going to get it. I may as well get it over with, unquote, she says. She considers herself to be cautious, but will take a calculated risk. When UZ, Kraftchick's 40-year-old co-host, and her partner go on double dates... I'm sorry, but is having sex at the risk of getting a cold really called a calculated risk in the winter? That's how these people are expressing themselves. That's how they are living. That's the way they're thinking. They literally believe they are at risk of death from this. Even though we know that statistically, even according to the government's own bunk statistics, there's almost no chance you're going to die from this if I mean, you're at, under the age of 80. At this point, after they've already had like six vaccinations, they have absolutely no immune system from bleaching their food when they bring it home from the grocery store mm. and wearing masks all day, they probably would die That's a good because point. they have absolutely no immune system. 
You know, even uh, octogenarians are likely to survive this unless you have morbidity issues, unless you are like seriously ill in other ways. You're going to likely survive getting COVID at age 85. I just talked to Crosby uh, last weekend. He's the owner of Rogers (laughs) Campground. He's like 86 or something like that. This dude is ancient, but he is so like healthy of a person the guy still does his like he still loves what he does he's doing the thing that he loves he's running a campground he's out there every day you know riding around on the golf cart fixing things that break i mean he is in to to life in a big way and he got covid he told me and he said it was pretty rough but he survived it and he sounded fine. He sounded like the same old Crosby that, you know, I've always talked to. So this nice. dude's in his mid-80s, and he can beat this thing. And yet you've got a 39-year-old uh, person in San Francisco who's deathly afraid that they're going to come down with this thing. I mean, it's come ridiculous. on. I had patients in the hospital who are diabetic, on dialysis, like actually like critically ill, and they got COVID and were fine. Yeah. So it's kind of pathetic that people in their 30s who are otherwise healthy are this Just terrified. Mike, Michael Hampton, who is our former uh, IT guy, oh, he's yeah. formerly because he did die of cancer, stage four cancer, but he came down with COVID while having stage four cancer in the middle of chemotherapy and he beat COVID. So he didn't die of COVID. He didn't even have it as bad as some of our other friends. It makes me wonder about our other friends. <laughs> More coming up here. Uh, 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. I just is just so sad here. We're going to continue with the story. It's about COVID dating in places like San Francisco, but also apparently there's still people like this in places like Kentucky as well. I'm sure they're in the minority for sure in a place like Kentucky. San Francisco, they're probably the majority. though. The thing that's weird about Kentucky was all the times I've driven through it, there was more mass compliance, way more. Once you cross the line from Tennessee to Kentucky or Hmm. Ohio to Kentucky, it it was something me and uh, my friend Aurelio noticed. It was really weird. Yeah, it's it's disappointing to me how much mass compliance there is here in uh, in Keene, New Hampshire. And I, I know it's a leftist town compared to most of the rest of New Hampshire, but still, it is New Hampshire. I expect more from uh, from the live for your die people. Yeah. And it's just, it is disappointing. Bonnie, you and I were in the, one of the grocery stores today, and I was pleased to actually see a couple other people that didn't have masks on, but the majority of people in there, they had masks on. I don't- I think it's I getting, noticed anyone. It's getting bad again. And yeah. I remember for a period there would be like nobody wearing a mask. Yeah. Well, I I think it has to do with the the mask ordinance. I think people oh. are just that compliant. They're just that worried even though, you know, the city police have announced essentially unofficially that they're not going to be enforcing it. But I bet most people just don't know but that. They don't know. Most people don't follow it like me or you. Or they don't want to take the chance that, you know, it could be enforced on them. I kind of forgot that there was a mask ordinance because it came back. If you don't wear one, nothing happens. Correct. So I've been going to grocery stores, Walmart, pharmacies, like I've been going right. everywhere in Keene. 
Nobody has ever even asked me only to once. put a mask on. Only once when we went into a clothing yeah. store, a crappy you looking clothing store. Yeah, yeah, and recently. We just but... didn't go in because they're like, we need you to wear a mask. I'm sorry. We're like, okay, we'll buy clothes somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Who was it that got kicked out? Was it? It was either Captain Kickass or Matt got kicked out of the uh, Auto Zone. I think no, it was. No, it was Conan. Oh, it was Conan. Yeah. So he got kicked out of, I think it was AutoZone. Yeah. And the thing about it is. For not wearing a mask. Like the week before, the day before the mask mandate got lifted, June 1st of 2020, people were all wearing masks. And then the next day that I worked after June 1st, nobody was wearing masks. It's just a compliance thing. It's just the ordinance, I think. so sad. Uh, so back to the story here about these, you know, really cowardly daters in their 40s and 30s in cities. WashingtonPost.com lifestyle reporting on this here. When Yu Zhu, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Y-U-E-X-U, Kraftchik's 40-year-old co-host on a podcast called Dateable, and her partner go on double dates with other couples, it's understood that everyone will take a rapid test beforehand. But Kraftchik says daters lack that kind of clarity with people they barely know. Quote, I think a lot of people want to ask for it, but worry it's going to come off weird. I think it's kind of rude to ask somebody to spend $18 just to go on a date with you. Or at least that's how much they are at the Moose Mart. Well, that brings up the other question they do ask here is like, well, if you're going to ask somebody out, then maybe you, if you're like this, then maybe you should provide the test for them. Or I think it's but, kind of nice because then you know straight off the bat this person's a psychopath and not to go on a date yeah, with them. That's mm-hmm. right. It's kind of like a nice warning. Kraftchik says, uh, if someone asked me, I would be relieved, she says, because she sees that request as a sign that her date is being responsible. If rapid testing becomes more ingrained in daily life, she says that's going to follow with dating, too, she said. Stacia Davis, a 43-year-old computer analyst and graphic designer in Atlantic City, New Jersey, is one of those daters who's not so sure how to proceed. Recently, a man she knows asked her out to dinner. When she proposed they both get tested first, he didn't think it was necessary. Davis didn't push the issue. Quote, I'll just go and pray to the good Lord that neither one of us are infected or the people around us, she remembers thinking. (laughs) Davis, who lives with her 65-year-old mother, who's a cancer survivor, kept her mask on for most of their indoor dinner date and took her untouched meal home with her. What? She didn't even eat her meal? Can you believe that? What a crazy person. Because she didn't want to take her mask down? And and you know he asked about it, too, and she was like, well, you wouldn't get a test, so... So now I'm just going to have to wear my mask the whole time. I yeah. bet that was the last date. It would have been for me if I was her date. I'd be like, what is this? This lady's nuts. She's willing to go out to the restaurant, be surrounded by other people yeah. who are inevitably walking by and doesn't, you know, she thinks this mask is going to protect her. Even yeah. though, hello. It says right on the box. It doesn't protect you from covid or even bigger picture she thinks that she needs to be protected from getting a cold beyond the you know sacrificing socializing sacrificing a nice warm dinner and what an insult to the guy right Right? like he's paying for your meal and you're not even gonna touch it she says it was very awkward very weird i didn't want to take my mask down didn't want to eat you made it weird lady i know and like why did she even go she knew she was going to be like this so she should have just been like no i'm uncomfortable clearly we're not on the same page regarding this so no if she were ever to go on a date again she says she'd test beforehand and would ask her date to do so as well especially now that the government is providing each household with four free rapid tests if her date were to decline... Oh, by the way, have you seen that now apparently the government is paying for N95 masks for people, too? 
No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, there have been, like, there apparently are setups in some department stores. I don't know if it's, like, Home Depot or Walmart or where it is that they I have not seen this myself, but I've seen images online of, like, a big take one kind of thing. Hey, you can have, take four or whatever. Free N95 masks just all, like, thrown together in this little bin. It's crazy because before this, everybody was so worried about climate change and global warming and recycling, and now we're throwing away billions and billions of masks. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. Uh, Davis, let's see here. She says, if her date were to decline the rapid test offer from her, she says, maybe we can rethink if we really need to go on a date. That's what we're in. I'm sure the guy who went on a date with you is rethinking all of it. Some people have coronavirus tests on the brain so much they're dreaming about them. When Denver Rose Harmon, a 27-year-old wildlife biologist in Bakersfield, California, was sick with the flu last month, she had a strange dream where she was in a post-apocalyptic land, ill and still doing things she shouldn't, riding a bike with a friend in a busy area, having dinner in a packed restaurant with her family, getting steamy with two of her YouTube idols. In in her dream... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Harmon received a positive coronavirus test test result in an intimate moment, a scenario she thinks, quote, speaks to the stress that COVID has brought to our love lives. It oh sounds to me God. like she's dreaming of having fun again, like going yeah. out and like doing things that are normal and regular and that they're not a big deal, but that's but not what it, she's doing in real life. So now a bike ride is a dream for her. But it was stressful Crazy. to her at the same time. So she's afraid of doing all that stuff. I'm, I'm the complete opposite. I have dreams about like Bitcoin, like last night. <laughs> In my dream, Bitcoin was in things. It was in objects around me and stuff like that. And I was like moving the Bitcoin from one object to the other. Bitcoin everywhere. (laughs) Love it. So that's the story. That's the latest. Just, I mean, the articles like this have been coming out for the last two years. This is nothing new. Just constantly hammering home to people that they should be afraid, that others are afraid. This is how you're supposed to behave. You need to get all the testing. You need to get all the vaccines. It's cute, and it makes you look like somebody that people want to date. Yeah, they're trying to act like this is somehow attractive or yeah. sexy or you know something desirable. Like and the lady no. says at the beginning, she says, uh, when asked what is some dating turn-ons, somebody said uh, having a rapid test, uh, getting a vaccination, yeah. or whatever. I, You know, you can't make her show her sources for that. You can't prove that no, she that's a real yeah. thing that hap- that people really are saying, or that even that's a, a, a majority of people are saying. She's, this is just a propaganda piece. Straight up. Yeah. And is this what people's personalities have came to? Like, you don't care what their personality is or right. what they look like. It's like, well, he's vaccinated. So this is, you know, this he's is got it. a bottle of hand sanitizer. Hey, sugar. Is that a bottle of hand sanitizer in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> 603-283-6160. Maybe you're in the dating scene. The, the three of us, we're not at this time. So maybe you can relate to this or sadly you can relate to this. You've seen this happening. And you want to weigh in. The 603-283-6160 is the number you can join us. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Phones are open. You can join us here. Whether you want to talk about the dating scene in these pathetically obedient cities... Or whatever happens to be on your mind, you can take control of the airwaves here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 
283-6160. In the studio with you, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Nikki. Bonnie, you and I saw the, uh, the fourth Matrix movie back in December, I guess, when it came, shortly after it came out. Uh, we had watched the previous three, which you had never seen before, and you kind of fell in love with mm-hmm. prior to that. Did you say it was like one of your favorite movies? Yeah, the first one's definitely one of my favorite movies now. Well, even the second one, I love the second one. I really liked the, the the first series altogether. A lot of people don't care for the second and third. I like the third, too. I, I like every single one of them, even the fourth. And a lot of people didn't like the fourth one. Um, Nikki, what about you? Do you have any Matrix history? Yeah, I've, I've seen the first three, but I have not mm-hmm. seen the fourth yet. We liked it. I thought it was entertaining. Um, it wasn't the best of all of the four, but it was fun. It, I had a was, good time. There was no time when I was like, this is, uh, this part's bad or anything like that. It's just, you know, no, you can't either. live up to the first one. That, yeah. yeah. That's all. No one could ever live up to the first Matrix. And I think that's what d- disappointed people about the second and third was they were unrealistic in their expectations to think that it could somehow even come close. And you can't. I mean, it's just the first movie is such a wow, eye-opening kind of amazing movie and you know trying to reach that level again would have been a major failure and i don't think they even tried and that's i think what disappointed people with the second and third instead they just took the story in its sort of a natural directions and again i thought they were fine it was Uh, fun i liked it but this isn't so much about the sequels as it is this story here about the business side of the matrix resurrections and now there's a nasty lawsuit that's been filed according to the wall street journal it is being filed by the co-producer of the Matrix films, Village Roadshow Entertainment Group. You see their logo come up at the beginning of the movie. And they are suing Warner Brothers, claiming that the decision to release the movie simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters breached their contract. Hmm. And further, that that is what actually provided the uh, impetus for the movie's box office failure it ultimately did not do very well i didn't pull up the final totals but i remember that when it came out the the first weekend was pretty underwhelming even for the pandemic movie going audience which is lower than it's you know been in i don't know decades well spider-man came out the same time and cleaned up same day at the box office i heard that spider-man was really really good that's what people say. I'm not a huge like you know comic book yeah. fan, so I really don't care about about Spider Man. I've seen a few of them here here and there, but I will say this: when we were watching The Matrix, which was literally me and Bonnie. Oh yeah, it was just us in the whole room. Which it was, was really Friday. I think it was a Friday afternoon, right? Like we so. were. It was like literally opening like the second day after it opened. On a weekend, on Christmas weekend, yeah. too, like a weekend, which is that's, usually like really busy for movie. It's theaters. a traditional movie weekend yeah. because people, there's nothing else to do, right? You've already yeah. done your shopping. You want to do something with the family. You go see a movie, and there was no one else in the theater. When we got out, there was another movie getting out at the same time. I'm pretty sure it was the Spider-Man it movie. It was the Spider-Man, and it was like. A large number of people for this little movie theater in Keene where you rarely will see more than five to ten people in the theater. So the Spider-Man movie did very, very well by comparison. So the suit is a fresh volley in a growing industry fight as big media companies now are favoring streaming over traditional movie distribution. Warner's parent, Warner Media... Uh, put their entire 2021 slate of movies on their sister streaming service, HBO Max, at the same time as their theatrical release. The studio also moved the release date of The Matrix Resurrections from 2021, 
or sorry, to 2021 from 2022 in an effort to help HBO Max attract more subscribers, alleges the lawsuit. Hmm. Quote, WB's sole purpose in moving the release date of The Matrix Resurrections forward was to create a desperately needed wave of year-end HBO Max premium subscriptions from what it knew would be a blockbuster film, despite knowing full well that it would decimate the film's box office revenue and deprive Village Roadshow of any economic upside that Warner Brothers and its affiliates would enjoy. It's weird that Village Roadshow doesn't get any extra money for it being on, on streaming? HBO Max. I mean, Maybe they do, but maybe it's a fraction. Hmm. Of what it would otherwise be? That's a good question, though. What's the, the revenue split? In response, a spokesperson for Warner Brothers said, quote, This is a frivolous attempt by Village Roadshow to avoid their contractual commitment to participate in the arbitration that we commenced against them last week. We have no doubt this case will be resolved in our favor. The partnership between the two companies does contain an arbitration clause to resolve disputes, but Village Roadshow said that it doesn't apply in this case. Quote, instead, the party's contracts expressly allow Village Roadshow to bring any action for injunctive or non-monetary relief in this court, as they agreed that the arbitration agreement shall not prevent any party from seeking injunctive relief and other forms of non-monetary relief. So they're not looking for money? That's really weird. But also, if they're alleging that Warner Brothers broke the contract, then they're allowed to go on past arbitration anyway, in most cases, right? I don't know. Somebody breaks your contract, you can sue them. Well, no. I mean, uh, if if the contract says it's arbitration, you have to go to arbitration. But, but apparently they're saying there's a there's a way out of that. But if you broke that contract, you still have to follow the contract's rules? Yes. Mm-hmm. the In a contract, you've broken usually one part of it or more than one part of it, but the, the rest of the contract stays in place. So the arbitrator is the person that is the overseer of whether or not the contract was broken. So if the contract says you have to go to arbitration instead of to state court, you have to go to arbitration instead mm-hmm. of state court. Uh, the uh, At the box office, the Matrix Resurrections garnered only a fraction of the revenue generated by its predecessors. And then they mentioned that Spider-Man did very, very well, but was not released on streaming at the same time as the theaters. Movies by major media companies to give prior or moves by major media companies to give priority to streaming services have potentially significant financial implications for the people who make the movies and they go on to talk about how Scarlett Johansson sued Walt Disney back in July alleging that her contract was breached when they released the movie on streaming Disney Plus what at movie? the same time Black uh, Widow yeah it's another Marvel movie she argued her box office based performance bonus was hurt by the Disney Plus move. So she makes more money yeah. if the movie makes more money at the box office and was seeking 80 million in damages. Well, Disney settled with Johansson wow. in September and of course as usual in a settlement terms were not disclosed. So they paid her. Yeah. Hmm. And I noticed with Black Widow that they released it really really early and not only that on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. you can pay money. So you pay your Disney Plus subscription, right? It's a monthly subscription. Right. But they have Black Widow on there before, like while it was still in theaters, and you could pay like $20 or something you pay to extra. watch it. You can pay extra to right. watch it early. So I remember the first one they did that with, was, uh, with was Mulan, and everybody thought that mm-hmm. was so crazy that you would have a subscription and pay... As pay a, extra on top. It is. Yeah, like yeah, the amount of money crazy. that you'd pay to go to theaters to well, watch something at home just because theaters weren't open. Yeah, and you'd pay more yeah. in that case. Like, it was like yeah. an Theaters are of, expensive, but they're not $20, right, per yeah. ticket? Well, the idea is you buy it for $20, but then you and all the kids are watching it. Right, so, so it's yeah. a lower cost that way. 
Uh, Village Roadshow alleges Warner Brothers is attempting to cut them out of future movies and TV shows based on characters or intellectual property that it has ownership stakes in. They, sh- uh, they said it's invested $4.5 billion in its more than two-decade partnership and co-financed many Warner Brothers hits, including Joker, American Sniper, and the Matrix franchise. Uh, so they say that Warner Brothers has been devising schemes to deprive Village Roadshow of its continuing rights to own, co-own, and co-invest in the derivative works from the films it co-owns. So they're then trying why do to they keep out. working with them? They're under contract? These people are devising schemes to take money from me. I'm just going to work with them well, on they, five more movies. I think that they're probably not going to continue working with them at this point, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're trying to screw them after the fact. And they're saying, well, hey, we're co-owners of this intellectual property. Now you're trying to cut us out of future use from these things. And that can be a problem. Uh, of course, the whole problem here comes from the idea of intellectual property yeah, in the first place. Exactly. If there was no intellectual property, then these people wouldn't have a lawsuit because Village Roadshow could go make their own Matrix sequel without having to ask Warner Brothers yeah. uh, permission to do so. And apparently the uh, suit comes weeks before AT&T is expected to close on its deal to combine Warner Media Assets with Discovery Incorporated. So another major media uh, conglomerate is being created here. I'm just realizing what a better and cooler future would be if we get rid of copyright laws for movies in general. Because then there would be like a whole bunch of different people creating. Like if somebody came out with a really cool movie, anyone could create a sequel to that. That's right. Whichever one was literally the best would rise to the top. And people would be like, oh, you should see their sequel of Spider-Man or whatever. Yeah, wouldn't that be an interesting world? Yeah. Yeah, where people can actually not. be creative and, you know... Without having to ask permission. And instead, people yeah. have to be like, oh, the sequel sucked. The sequel that is the only sequel. Man, it sucked. And too bad nobody else did, did it better. I, I guess the thing I'm really curious about here is what exactly is Village Roadshow trying to accomplish with the lawsuit if not to get money from Warner Brothers? Like, what are they trying to do? Is the injunction simply to stop Warner Brothers from stealing their stuff? That's not made clear in this story, so if we hear more about it, we'll keep you in the loop. Uh, But in the meanwhile, if you enjoyed the Matrix movies, you'll probably like the fourth one. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow night online, freetalklive.com.